Hey, it's Stephen Henderson. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the Detroit Riverfront, how it's changed so dramatically over the last 20 years and the opening of the Uniroyal Promenade, which is the last little piece along the East Riverfront to connect bridge to bridge from the Belle Isle Bridge to the Ambassador Bridge. Mark Wallace, who is the CEO of the Riverfront Conservancy, will join to talk about all of the work that's been done, all of the work that's still coming, and how this changes our experience as Detroiters. Mark, always great to see you. Welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. So, uh, I want to start with what we saw last month, this opening of the Uniroyal Promenade. It's not an exaggeration for me to say this is something I really didn't think ever would happen or would be possible. Uh, but but talk about this moment when it, we're now literally bridge to bridge, uh, one of the largest uh, public access spaces along a riverfront anywhere. Uh, take us back to, to the, the unveiling of this and how important it is to us as Detroiters. Uh, it, it was a really special moment. And we've been, as you mentioned, talking about this and thinking about this uh, for 20 years. Uh, in 2003, the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy was launched. Uh, Matt Cullen, Faye Nelson, uh, David Page, others uh, came together to, to push this vision forward. And the vision was always to connect from the Joe Louis Arena site to the Belle Isle Bridge. Uh, that vision expanded to the bridge-to-bridge concept that you mentioned. Um, but that idea of building a system of parks and trails and allowing the public to interact with this beautiful natural resource that we have was really strong. So we were thrilled. Uh, we opened up the site. Uh, we opened up that last piece of the East Riverfront uh, at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. It was a little <laughs> bit cold. It was a little bit dreary out there. And um, just really a beautiful moment. Um, the, the response of the community was uh, insane. Uh, I looked around the crowd who showed up literally thousands of people, uh, and I probably knew 10 or 20% of them. Uh, these were Detroiters who were uh, begging us for generations to provide access, to provide that system, uh, to make it easy to go from the boulevard downtown, to make it easy to go from the Riverfront neighborhoods and Lafayette Park up to the Belle Isle Bridge. And uh, we made good on that promise uh, that we made 20 years ago, but as you mentioned, it was a very simple concept and a very difficult project to execute. Yeah. Um, when when I go back to the 1970s, when I was growing up here in Detroit, as I said in the open, uh, the Unilever plant was still there, yeah. and and uh, we were talking even before the show about how much of an impression it made on me. I think it's hard for people who maybe weren't born even uh, at that point uh, to to really understand what that was, how dirty it was, the the manufacturing that happened there and how hard it was to to clean it up enough yeah. to make it into a park. But this has been a, a, an epic struggle for many years here. It, it really has. And the city of Detroit, uh, yeah, Ray Scott, the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, George Jackson, many people have worked on this. Um, and some of the organizations that were involved in the industrial uses, DTE did a phenomenal job of cleaning up their section of the, the old site. Um, because Edison, which is what DTE was right. before it was DTE, had uh, manufacturing yeah. a, a plan on that site at some point too. That's right, and, and it was a great act of corporate leadership for them to really do a, you know an A plus job of cleaning up that site. The rest of it was was still contaminated, and frankly, a lot of the primary responsible parties 
you know, just, you know, left. They, they abandoned that. They said, you know, it was somebody else. It wasn't me. So <laughs> we're, we're still left with a very um, polluted site. But to your point, yeah, I was doing a little bit of news before the opening and one of the reporters came out there and I said, well, this was historically one of the most contaminated sites in the, in the country. And she said, well, what do you mean contaminated? <laughs> yeah, even in her memory as a new reporter to yeah. town, she, she that's part of the story had not stuck. So mm-hmm. that transformation of the narrative and the transformation of the function, both of those things are happening at the same time. These projects are changing the way we think about ourselves as a community, but they're also changing the patterns of behavior. And it's exciting to be able to do both of those at the same time. Yeah. And I'm talking with Mark Wallace. He is the president and CEO of the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy. Uh, we're talking about the opening last month of the Uniroyal Promenade, a very short section of the riverfront, but a key to the bridge-to-bridge concept, something that uh, we've been talking about for a while. This was really the last piece to kind of come online for us to be able to say we have that riverfront as kind of a publicly accessible uh, riverfront uh, from the Bella Bridge all the way down to the Ambassador Bridge. We're talking about what the riverfront means to us as Detroiters uh, now that we have this unbelievable uh, park uh, along the waterfront here. Anyone who, of course, grew up here in Detroit remembers the riverfront quite differently as a kind of dirty and industrial site. Uh, now people are growing up playing along the riverfront, doing all kinds of things uh, that we wouldn't have imagined a long time ago. We would love to hear from you uh, during the conversation as well. Give us a call and let us know what you make of the Riverwalk. Uh, What memories do you have of the space along the Detroit River? Uh, Do you remember how industrial it was, how dirty it was, how there wasn't a reason, if you were a kid especially, to go down there? Uh, how different is that now for your children or your grandchildren? How important is it to the city that we've made this incredible transformation of public space? Uh, we would love to hear from you on the phones. 313-577-1019 is, of course, always the number here. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and you can be part of the conversation uh, that way. Uh, Mark, I, I, I do want to talk about um, the, the the transformation of the Riverwalk overall, overall and what that means to a city. Uh, I, I think one of the things that's, that's always true about us here in Detroit is that often we don't imagine what's possible. Um, uh, and by that, I mean most in most cities, uh, when you think about a riverfront, you think of opportunity. You think, well, that's that's going to be a great park or a, a great other kind of public space. Of course, because of the way the city grew up, uh, industry had so much uh, influence and so much need to be along the riverfront. It, it happened differently. But I, I want to talk about what it means to realize the power of that asset mm-hmm. and to work over a long period of time to leverage it the way we have what does that change about our city? What does it change about us? Uh, it, it, I, this is such a great question, and I could talk about this for about 10 hours. So I'll try, I'll try to, try <laughs> to rein, have one, rein but... in my enthusiasm. <laughs> but as you mentioned, the idea is so simple. Yeah, Any child who wandered into Detroit from any other part of the world would look at it and say, that's a pretty river. Why can't I play next to the pretty river? Right. The idea was, was, was yeah, ludicrously simple. 
Um, and going back historically, Hazen Pingree talked about a series of connected riverfront parks. Coleman Young came in and was responsible for Joe Louis Arena, uh, Shane Park Amphitheater, now Aretha Franklin, Mount Elliott Park, and Gabriel Richard Park. But those were really small interventions. And as you mentioned, there was so much industry that the connection never happened. You know, fast forward, you had Dennis Archer, you had the casino concept down by the riverfront. And um, you know, it's, it was interesting at the uh, opening, the grand opening, yeah, Mayor Duggan described this as a dream come true, mm-hmm. and I think it really is. Um, yeah, I, I think the the transformation of something that's that big of a vision really reminds us of how important it is for us to work together, how important it is for different sectors to come together. In this case, the nonprofit, uh, the corporate sector, and also the you know the governmental sector. The city of Detroit uh, was a huge leader on this project. Um, and the fact that we, we deserve good things and, uh, we can do a lot more when we work together instead of when we're focused on these little provincial interests. Yeah. Um, the riverfront is a system. There's no, no two ways about it. The DeQuindercut is part of that system. The Joe Lewis Greenway is part of that system. The Dennis Archer Greenway, the Southwest Greenway. We're, we're making it easy for people to move around and fundamentally we're making it easy for people to spend time together. And, and I think those two things are key. We need to think about our city as a system, not as a series of individual projects, because if we only think, you know, here's the Hudson site or here's a six unit apartment building in West Village, that never transforms a city into a cohesive unit where the quality of life improves. But when we think on a system level, uh, we actually have the opportunity to really change the way people interact. And fundamentally, Detroit is very, very big. So we need these places like Eastern Market, like Campus Martius, and, mm-hmm. and frankly, like the Detroit Riverfront, I think was the first that really brought people together and in, in that sort of dense urban experience where you're hearing other languages, you're, you're seeing other apparel, you're, you're watching people interact in different ways. And that's really stimulating. That's why we live in cities. So I, I think the fundamental thing that we've done is demonstrate how important it is to collaborate and also how important it is for people to spend time together. So what does that tell us about some of the other things that uh, we could do here in Detroit or some of the other challenges that we face? I don't know that I can think of another project that has included more different interests and people. I can't think of a project that has leveraged more of our strengths and assets than the Riverwalk, but I can think of a lot of things that could use that kind of energy. <laughs> right. Well, it, it is interesting to see, and, and the number of people who have served on our board is just remarkable, and our leadership from Matt Cullen and Faye Nelson and others is remarkable. If you look at projects that Matt and Faye have worked on besides the Riverwalk, you have the Q line, uh, you know, you have all the initiatives that Kellogg has led under Faye's leadership. There are a lot of things where they're trying to bring people together in, in different ways. Um, you see even things like the regional approach to Huntington Place and, you know, Cobo Hall, uh, you know, that that was a different approach. And I think that's something that followed the riverfront. Mm-hmm. You can't draw a straight line between one to the next, but I think I think we do need to think about transit on a regional basis. I think we need to think about arts and culture on a regional basis. And and frankly, I think we need to densify the city and, and do things to bring people closer together. Otherwise, it's always going to be hard to do retail. It's always going to be hard to do transit. So yeah, there's still lessons that our community can learn from this project. Yeah. So, so uh, I spent a long time living in Baltimore um, while I was away from Detroit, and you know there there are so many things about these two cities that that are similar, but there are also some real differences. And when I go back to Baltimore, I almost said go home to Baltimore. <laughs> I caught myself <laughs> there. This is my home. Um, uh, 
I, I'm struck by what they've done along their east harbor front. It's not a river. It's a, it's a little inlet from the Chesapeake. Um, and how quickly they were able to transform that area. This was an area that was not dissimilar from from our riverfront here in Detroit. It was kind of dirty and industrial. There wasn't much there. Um, They decided in the late 2000s that uh, they needed to do something different uh, in in that space. And now you go there, and it's not just that there's public access to the water, but the retail that they have Mm -hmm. attracted, uh, the business uh, uh, office space that they've attracted, the really super high-end hotels and residential spaces that have opened up along there. I get a little jealous when I'm there. (laughs) I'm like, they've only been at this for about a decade, maybe half the time that we have been at it here. And they're they're further ahead. I feel like they leapfrogged us a bit. Why is that true? What and is that even the vision here? I guess uh, should yeah. we be seeing more of not the riverfront itself, which I think we've done a great job of saying this should be publicly accessible, but what's adjacent to mm-hmm. the riverfront? In any other city, I feel like that would be exploding. Yes, uh, and it's happening here, but it's kind of still at a crawl. Well, it, it, there's there's no shortage of uh, other cities that have assets that I'm jealous of. And I, <laughs> I certainly love the aquarium in Baltimore as well, yeah. which was a huge anchor. I love yeah. their little water taxis that they have. Um, I, I think part of the question speaks to you know, some of the structural challenges with Detroit and, uh, frankly, the lack of density that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Baltimore has townhouses. It has you know probably a density that's four or five times that of the city of Detroit. And that helps to support those retail uses. Um, it also has a pretty healthy tourism uh, industry, people coming through, which I think Detroit is really bulking up on under the leadership of Claude Molinari and others. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just some great strategies behind that. Um, but I, I might flip this on its head. We can demonstrate, and I could, I could show you uh, that the Riverwalk project has stimulated $2 billion worth of economic investment. Um, public and private, and uh, that's pretty remarkable. It is. It's throwing off about $16 million worth of net new taxes. So there are firefighters and police all over the city who are getting their, their paychecks paid by taxes that are coming off of the Riverwalk. But you're right. If you look at the riverfront, there's probably 100 buildings that are underutilized and maybe 75 acres of space that could be built upon and could be redeveloped. Um, we're really excited to see what, what happens next with that, mm-hmm. and I know the city is focused on that as well. At the same time, I think the 20 years of public access and the focus on the people and not on the development has really changed the narrative here in Detroit. If I talk to colleagues around the country who are doing this type of public project, what they're worried about is the development. They're worried that they built a park for the community and the private development has made the community feel unwelcome. kind of pushed them out. Yeah, and that's actually a narrative that we don't have here in Detroit. With Dan Gilbert's recent investments in the riverfront, we're going to see new development. It's, it's going to happen. You have one of the most patient, one of the most creative development teams anywhere in the country uh, in that bedrock team, and they're going to be doing stuff with that land. So it's coming. Uh, but the fact that we've had 15 <laughs> years where it's literally just families, just grandparents, just kids, I think has locked this in as a community asset. And I think the community will have this ferocious uh, dedication and this ferocious love um, that's going to keep this uh, a place that that is used by the community, even as we see new development come. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
Mark, before we get to our listeners, I do want to talk about the documentary that is uh, premiering this week and features interviews with several people who were involved with the Riverfront Project over a long period of time. I've gotten a chance to see a preview of it, and uh, it tells such a wonderful story about how all this started, how it how it had lots of fits and starts. Uh, I had forgotten how much the casinos mm. played a role early in the discussion about what we were going to do with the riverfront for both Mayor Archer and early on for, for Mayor Kilpatrick. Uh, they both had to kind of contend with that and figure it out. Uh, this, this, it's such a great story, and, and it's a, a wonderful way to preserve it, I guess, in this film. We're, we're really excited about it. The premiere takes place at the Detroit Film Theater uh, tomorrow on Wednesday. And the documentary is called Ignore the Noise, The Transformation of the Detroit Riverfront. And it really focuses on the, those moments that led up to the founding of the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy uh, and those early partners, Kresge Foundation, you know, how they got their head around doing a $50 million investment, how they chose the riverfront for that investment, you know, the sort of milestones they put that, that, that pushed us on a path to success and stability, uh, what General Motors did with the Renaissance Center to open it up and make it more available to the public, the fact that General Motors made a huge bet on this, this tiny nonprofit, and then, you know, to your point, what the city of Detroit did on land assembly, initially thinking that that land would go to the casinos, and ultimately that property has gone, uh, a lot of it has gone to building the riverfront and relocating the factories. So it's really exciting. I, you, you and I, you may not remember this, but we got together for coffee. I do. Over at Anthology <laughs> Coffee. This is years ago. <laughs> this is years ago, and I floated the idea of, you know, capturing that story, and, and uh, you were very excited about it, but you said... I think you need a producer, <laughs> and we're really excited <laughs> right. that we partnered with Detroit Public Television, and uh, Ed Moore over there and his team are great. Uh, they connected us with Free Age, which is a, a production team. Jim Toscano, Danny Giannino, and Aaron Hennigan uh, worked on this project, and the the quality is through the roof. It really and, is. Uh, the, the voices of the people who are actually in the room making this happen just phenomenal. And, and the Free Age team also dug up so much historic footage, mm-hmm. parts of these stories that I don't remember. So it is a fun <laughs> show. And they will be broadcast live uh, on Detroit Public Television in the spring as well. Yeah. I, I want to play a little clip from uh, the documentary. Uh, let's take a listen to uh, a little bit of the story of the riverfront. There are a million ways this project could have gotten killed. It didn't have to happen this way. And it is uncommon for a community to be able to pull something like this off. The riverfront was desolate. It was abandoned. It was in total disrepair. Tall piles of cement, burned out buildings, abandoned cars, eroding shoreline. It was not a place where anyone would have any reason for visiting. I grew up in Detroit, and I didn't know we had a riverfront. Uh, Unless you went to Belle Isle, you never saw it. That was a number of Detroiters, including Faye Nelson and Mike Duggan, who is, of course, the mayor, uh, talking about uh, how the riverfront came together. I, I love the name of this documentary, Mark. <laughs> Ignore the noise, right? Because that that's such a common theme here in Detroit, right? Yes. Stay focused. Figure out what matters and work the problem. Uh, too often we get distracted by, yes. by the noise and don't get things done. This is a great story about ignoring all of that. And there was, again, a lot of noise yes. about about whether to do this, 
how to do it, and whether it would work. Well, there was there was tremendous turmoil uh, politically, tremendous turmoil economically, as you mentioned, um, and it required a lot of focus and dedication. And, and that's why it's such a privilege to have the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy as the steward. This was not the project of one administration. It was not the project of one corporation, and it wasn't the project of one foundation. Um, although we needed those those folks to to, to come together, but um, it, it's been amazing to see what that 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 concerted push has required, and the fact that we have this nonprofit that continues every day. You have full time dedicated people can wake up, and this is all we have to focus on. You know, the rest of the city has a lot of <laughs> lot of issues, but um, it really re- requires a, a lot of attention and a lot of dedication, and. That's what the structure of the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy has allowed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Let's start today with Mike in Chesterfield. Mike, what's on your mind? Hey there, Stephen. Hope all is well. Yeah, great to hear from you. Hi there, Mark. Yes, um, so a couple of things I wanted to talk about were the the importance of how connecting the riverfront all together now also leads into everything else that branches off from the riverfront as we've seen with things like the dequinder cut now the southwest connector and how that's impacting uh, the continuous growth of the greater downtown area and how things have rapidly changed over the past two decades starts off small but as it continues on it grows and grows and grows and builds off of the investments already made and then the um the other thing i wanted to add to it was Uh, This past weekend, I actually ran the full uh, distance um, from Gabriel Richards Park to the uh, Southwest Connector and back, and 10 miles, unbroken, Mm. and I saw nothing but smiling faces, (laughs) people taking pictures, uh, dog walkers, runners, bikers, uh, everybody having a blast on there. And And I think one of the things that should be highlighted is the riverfront is such a prime location for photography, mm. people taking wedding photos, yeah. prom pictures, family photos, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, I uh, really appreciate uh, uh, the call and, and that idea of how you connect what we've done on the riverfront to, to other things. I do want to talk about that. But, Mark, I just want to know you were fist pumping. Well, <laughs> well like, this is exactly the 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 pitch you guys were making, right? That that, uh, pe- that this is how people would feel it, if we did this. It makes me so happy. And Mike, <laughs> as a guy who is not capable of running ten miles, I'm so glad you <laughs> had neither. that experience. I've biked it, but I have not run it. And um, and you're right. When people come to the riverfront, it it changes the way they feel. There is a, a profound emotional response to that physical body of water and also to spending time with so many diverse people from diverse backgrounds. And that's the most exciting thing. And as Mike mentioned, this is really a spine of strength upon which we can build. We can build development. Um, you, know, you can do things like the Renaissance Center transformation. We will see retail, but you can also make those additional connections that are so important. And the Southwest Greenway um, has really made the Riverwalk feel a lot closer to Southwest Detroit and Mexican Town than it felt before. Physically, it's no further, but man, walking down Rosa Parks is not a fun experience. Waiting for the trucks to go by on Fort Street, a terrible experience, especially mm-hmm. if you're a senior citizen or if you got a kid um, and you're trying to navigate that and keep everybody safe. So that's really exciting. And then things like the Dennis Archer Greenway, uh, which goes by Red Hook, it goes by Empacho. That's a physical connection to a neighborhood mm-hmm. of, of very affordable housing. People yes. who have lived in Detroit for, for generations now have a safe and fun and, and straightforward way to get to the riverfront. Before, 
you know, that, that street had been vacated. They had to go around two or three blocks to get to the riverfront, and now it's easy for them. So we're so excited that the city took the leadership role on that and that we were able to build the Southwest Greenway. Yeah, that, that connection to the Dennis Archer Greenway, which I've got to get used to saying because I did grow up uh, for a time in that area, and I remember them building the housing over there and building the path that is now uh, the Archer Greenway. This is in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, Henry Haygood, who was uh, uh, one of the, the, the kind of visionaries and developers here in Detroit, uh, talked about connecting those communities mm-hmm. with a path. This is when we didn't have that kind of thinking about uh, certainly the riverfront, but but also about lots of other places in the city. It is so interesting to see that now matter, right? Yeah. Uh, this is something we did 40 years ago as kind of a small uh, a small project for, for these particular uh, neighborhoods that's now connected to this huge thing along, yeah. along the riverfront. No, that's right. And those systems are so powerful. And as you mentioned, you know, when it was built, those initial pathways through those neighborhoods, they were great to get around the neighborhood, but where were you going? Right. Maybe you're going to Eastern <laughs> Market, but you get to crash it and it gets messy. Maybe you're going to the riverfront, you know, the flats back in the day. Um, but again, you, you get into industry so fast. So for those to actually connect these hubs of strength is really exciting. And, and again, that's that's a big part of the idea behind the Joe Lewis Greenway, which will make it easier to circumvent the, the neighborhoods of the city and make it easier for people to, to choose to be a little healthier, to walk a little bit instead of driving, to spend more time on bikes and to spend more time outdoors. Yeah, yeah. Mike, really appreciate uh, the call and your sharing your experience. Uh, let's go to Mark in Detroit. Mark, what's on your mind? Hi, uh, good morning. Hey, Mark. Steven, and, and good morning, Mark. Morning. Um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, uh, get some clarification when we say bridge to bridge. Uh, we're not quite there yet. Uh, we, there's a chunk of the, I don't know, but 60 acres or so that is at the western edge of uh, the new Ralph C. Wilson mm-hmm. Park mm-hmm. Uh, that runs along the river actually to the bridge that uh, you know is owned by, I believe, the Maroon family interests, and there's a concrete facility that operates out of there. Um, so when we say to bridge to bridge, are we counting that <laughs> eventually being part of it? Or bridge to bridge, are we jumping off uh, uh, from MacArthur Bridge, jumping off uh, at Ralph C. Wilson at the uh, May Creek and going up Bagley to Grand Boulevard down to the bridge? Because it would be really nice to have that whole stretch all the way to the bridge along the river. And I I just want to uh, congratulate uh, the Conservancy. I'm a contributor to the, to the Conservancy. I use the Riverwalk quite a bit. We do as a family, I should mm, say. That's great. And I just, it would be great to see that, that, that last stretch. And I don't know if the city has been talking with, uh, with the owners of that facility. And yeah. that, that also is going to be a detriment to that park. It really is with the dust and everything else and to, the trucks to the, running yeah, in and out of it. Yeah. To the Ralph C. Wilson part. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That, no, that whole facility there. Yeah. Mark, anyway, uh, I, I, I don't really, want to rain on anybody's parade no, here a, or add, or add that's more a noise. That's a great but, question. That's a great question. Mark, I really appreciate the call. Um, Mark Wallace, uh, what's what's the answer to that? There is that little chunk still there. And, and I know that control of the of the property has been one of the prime challenges yes. that we've had along this is making sure we can assemble all of it. 
No, and that's a big part of, of the Riverfront Conservancy's mission. And, and Mark, I appreciate you as a contributor. And uh, yeah, a lot of folks don't think about the way this project is funded, but we are a nonprofit organization. So in addition to um, the philanthropic dollars that come in, the corporate dollars <clears throat> and the state dollars, uh, certainly it's really important for folks to support us every year. So really appreciate that. Um, Mark is right. There is one last piece of the riverfront uh, to complete our vision of five and a half miles. And that piece is controlled by the Maroon family and the Ambassador Bridge Company. Um, we've talked about this uh, again for 20 years. This has been a priority of ours. It's no secret to anyone uh, that we want to make that connection, particularly because the city of Detroit just did a phenomenal job of transforming uh, Riverside Park. Mm-hmm. Um, Ralph Wilson Foundation was involved with that as well. The Tony Hawk Foundation, there's an amazing skate park there, just beautifully designed park and public space. So, yeah, we do have one more connection to make. Um, yeah, West Jefferson is kind of a mess when you go past Ralph Wilson. <laughs> and yes, we don't think it's it's great to have truck traffic right next to one of the greatest parks in the yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the bridge is a confounding kind of influence, not just to the riverfront, but also to all of the neighborhoods down there. And the new bridge, of course, is is going to disrupt as well. Uh, the, the, the concept, though, of, of bridge to bridge, I think, is not destroyed by what's what's left i mean uh first of all i don't think i don't think they're going to be able to hold out and and keep that from us uh but but even without it there is this you know we've got we've got uh we've got what we had sort of set out for here yeah well and and frankly what we've seen on the east river front and everywhere around the country is that the addition of public space only increases the value of those 40 acres um, so right now it's a, a cement uh, operation. There's there are aggregate storage piles. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's it's not incompatible. They certainly you know have the right to do that with the space. But there, there's a lot more that could happen there that's yeah. beneficial for them as a business, and uh, certainly would be, be beneficial to the community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Mark Wallace of the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy. Also, continue to hear from you, the listeners. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. We want to hear from you about what you think about the Riverfront, how you feel about this transformation uh, in our city, and what you think it might inspire us to do in other places. Let's go to Rita in Rochester, Michigan. Rita, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, my as I told the gentleman before, my father worked at Uniroyal and he retired from there. And um, I never thought that they'd be able to clean it up because um, my dad, uh, every day he'd come home and my mom still had a ringer washer. She got a new washing machine but with an agitator, but she kept the old ringer to wash his work clothes wow. every day because they were so dirty. Wow. But when he retired, it took over six months for his hands to become completely clean. That's, you know, working in there oh, with um, with all of that, um, you know, the, the all the chemicals and, all, and the rubber yeah. and all. So, yeah, yeah. And it's, a, it, it's just amazing to see the river... <laughs> walk and just all that's happened it's just it's wonderful yeah. it's wonderful yeah. isn't it uh, but Uniroyal was as they say very very good to my dad <laughs> <laughs> right right I mean Rita that's a great story because I mean you know it captures how dirty the work 
there was and how dirty the the manufacturing was but the fact that that uh, your dad probably worked there you know for a long time and and did very well i mean that was part of who we were here in detroit as well we have made stuff here uh, for more than a century, um, and and if it's not cars, uh, it was stoves. If it wasn't stoves, it was tires. Uh, you know, this, the, that's part of our DNA uh, as Detroiters. Mark, that the, the 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 employment numbers alone from the Unaroyal plant were just stunning. Oh, uh, it, it was it was amazing. Yeah, you know, I think at full tilt, that site had ten thousand people working there it's every day. I grew up in Chelsea, <laughs> Michigan, with four thousand total residents. So you're talking more than twice my the size of my entire hometown, and and about the same number of people as work at the Rensen at, at full tilt as well. So it's it's remarkable. And yeah, as Rita mentioned, that the legacy of of that takes a long time to clean up, and um, that was one of the reasons this project took so long for us is. We had to spend about a year and a half with the EPA on a cleanup project, a $3 million cleanup project in the river. Um, and those are contaminations we had nothing to do with, but no one else was coming to the table to fix it. So really grateful for the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative and the EPA's efforts at, at those cleanup. Yeah. Uh, we should also talk a little about the Joe Lewis Greenway, which we've mentioned a couple times. But the, the key connection, I think, between what's happening on the riverfront and this idea of essentially a green beltway yeah. all around the city. I, I don't think we ever would have gotten to the idea of this new greenway if we hadn't done what we are doing along the river. And especially, um, you know, spaces like the DeQuinder Cut and uh, this new uh, Southwest uh, connector, uh, they're they're kind of the 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 inspiration, I guess, for for that. Yeah, th- these projects are are really close friends and uh, and affiliates. And um, Liana Medley, who's running the Joe Lewis Greenway Partnerships, it's on our board of directors. Uh, as does Brad Dick, who's one of the board of directors for um, for the Joe Lewis Greenway Partnership. Um, and I sit on the Children's Greenway Partnership Board as well. So we've been working really closely. And uh, Matt Cullen, Miriam Nolan, and others who have worked on the riverfront for years are very involved, frankly, uh, you know, in, in the structures and the, the fundraising, uh, helping the leadership of the fundraising project for that. And you're right. I, the What people see in the riverfront uh, has inspired other projects around the city, and this is certainly one of them. Um, and we're really excited. Uh, you know, frankly, I, I think... The lives of people who have been living with old rail right of way, um, and you know, abandoned tires and abandoned vehicles and scrub brush and trash, um, to see their backyards transformed from that context into the beautiful Joe Lewis Greenway is just huge. And the opening of the Warren Trailhead, which took place on Halloween, uh, yeah, the city is really getting after it on the construction side, and some really really strong people are working on that project. So. We're also excited that there's a real focus on programming and sustainability mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that also comes out of the work of the foundations who invested early in the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy to always say, yes, we can build it. Um, how do we do that? That's complicated. But also, how do we maintain it over time? So really excited that um, some of the lessons we learned, uh, some of the mistakes we made <laughs> are now being reproduced on these these follow-on projects and these, these related projects. Yeah. Let's go next to Laura in southwest Detroit. Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. Uh-huh. Um, Laura Chavez, uh, Southwest Detroit Business Association, mm-hmm. President and CEO. Um, happy to, to be on, on the call with you all. And um, as a longtime resident of the community, I would have to say that we, we've always known the value of our riverfront property. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's amazing to see other people kind of see that value as well 
And I know that our community has truly always been very resilient and tried to keep things clean as we could. But as industry, you know, happens, it, it was a little bit harder to do so. But as a youth, I, I remember, you know, us walking over that way and going to the riverfront and enjoying it. And so it's just so nice to see now these these generations later that will truly, truly have what it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And so thankful um, for the, you know, for, for the riverfront and, and what it's becoming and the conservancy and, and what you guys have done to, to make it as uh, beautiful as it is. Yeah. Uh, Laura, I really appreciate the call. And, and again, that one of the things that's interesting is how far this stretches, of course, in, in miles, but also how far it stretches in consciousness in Detroit, right? The east side and the east riverfront is really different from the west side and the west riverfront. And one of the things I think is great about this project is it kind of unifies the two, but it also kind of respects that difference. Mm -hmm. That west riverfront project you guys are working on is going to be really different than what we have on the East River. Front. No, it is, and it's and it's intentional. And it's it's interesting, as you're talking about unifying the East and the West, uh, Senator Levin was on our board of directors, Carl Levin, uh, in the last years of his life, and was a huge supporter, uh, bringing a lot of federal money to the project. And he worked on this very simple little bridge called the Bates Street Project, yeah. uh, right at the foot of Bates Street <laughs> next to Hart Plaza. He loved talking about connecting East and West. And he also worked with us on building the boardwalk through the marina at Riverfront Towers. That's a gated community. That was a miracle for us to build that, <laughs> and that will open up next year. Um, but Southwest is full of so many great families. And talk about a resilient community with a strong sense of culture. Uh, it's just a, an amazing, amazing place. People have held on for generations. People working hard every day to take care of their families. Um, and even if you look at Corktown neighborhood, which looks like it's doing well, there's a lot of retail, a lot of activity. Um, there's still a lot of poverty in Corktown. There are a lot of senior citizens in Corktown, and there are a ton of families in Corktown. So we're so excited that <laughs> Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Centennial Park is going to bring one of the greatest public experiences, one of the greatest public spaces in the country uh, to this community that has been holding on, staying connected to each other, and really supporting each other for generations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Glenn in, in LaSalle Park <clears throat> here in the city wants to know if there's a map that shows all the things – along the Riverwalk and where he might find that. Absolutely. DetroitRiverfront.org is a great way to stay uh, connected with us. Um, We also have great social media. So, Glenn, I'd encourage you to check out the website and the social. Yeah. All right. Let's go next to Andrew in Detroit. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. I just want to start by saying thank you so very much to you and your team. My fiance Katie, and I live along the river, and we absolutely love the new promenade. It's just so alive. You see people biking and running and walking and skateboarding and Um, I just really want to thank you. My question is, uh, one of my best friends lived in Atlanta for a while, and we used to go to the Beltline a lot. And one of the things that I found really intriguing about the Beltline in Atlanta was all the restaurants along the Beltline. They have that big mega brewery with all different restaurants and pop-ups and food trucks and things like that. And I was just wondering if there was any vision to bring something like that to the riverfront, whether it's a timeout Detroit. I know we have that little area on Atwater that has a couple restaurants and breweries. But I would just really, really love if there is this kind of destination restaurant uh, place where we can kind of go, you know, have a drink, have mm-hmm. something to eat, and enjoy ourselves on the river. Yeah, great question, Andrew. Yeah, it's great. And the Beltline is one of my favorite projects in the country, too. So I, th- I think that's a great precedent. Um, I would expect to see uh, some of that retail, particularly with the leadership of the Bedrock team and, and the Dan Gilbert's crew, 
Um, they really seem to understand public space activation. So we're really excited that they become such a big investor in the riverfront. And um, I, I can't tell you when or what, but I would certainly expect to see that in the next five years. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, appreciate the call. Let's go to Lonnie in Detroit. Lonnie, what's on your mind? I like to say my father worked at the Unaroyal plant. <laughs> he retired from the plant. I went there one day for open house with him. And I went inside and I seen how dirty and how hard he worked. I got up the next day and caught the Hamilton bus, went downtown, and got a job working for the Michigan Chronicle. And I told my father, <laughs> I never asked him for another thing. I didn't realize he worked that hard. <laughs> Lonnie, that's a great story. I love, I love, this is one of the reasons I love Detroit, right? <laughs> All of us have these stories about things we've seen and done that uh, that really shape the place and, and shape our sense of it. And Lonnie, I, I, I don't blame you, right? If you saw that kind of work. Go become a journalist. <laughs> it's dirty work, but not in the same way. <laughs> so, really appreciate the call. Uh, let's go next to Robert in Detroit. Robert, I've only got a couple minutes left. Go ahead. Sure. Um, one of my pet peeves, I, I love everything about the riverfront, but I, I always like more trees, and it takes so long for them to grow, to have shady areas, you know, the the more natural part of, of what's uh, there. But um, the idea of it as a destination, I think, could be improved also. If we had some, like, especially sustainable uh, cruises of the mm. Great Lakes where people could could come in and, and shop and, and maybe even a ferry boat from Detroit to uh, Windsor where you could get on your bike and ride their trails over there, too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Robert, those are those are great ideas, especially the idea of trees. Yeah. We've lost so many trees, of course, in Detroit. And, and uh, you know, the riverfront was never, at least not in my experience, a place that had a lot of trees. Yeah. I see them planting now. It's going to take, you know, trees don't grow overnight, so it's going to take a while. But that's a big part of the experience, too. That's going to that's going to change the way that feels. That's right. It's a great point. I, I, I pay a lot of attention to shade because the older I get, the, the more I get sunburned <laughs> on the top of my head instead of just my nose. Um, but it's a great point. And, yeah, the old joke is the best time to plant a tree is yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're working on it. And uh, Robert's right about the destination and the amenities as well. We'd love to see water taxis. Windsor has an amazing uh, trail network. We'd love to see more connections to that as well. Yeah, uh, Mark, before we have to end, I want to give you a chance to talk about what is next along the riverfront. Is it the opening of uh, Wilson? Is that what we're, we're aiming for here? Yeah, we're really excited about that. Um, and and it's, it's easy to look at the pathways and say, oh, we're almost done. Uh, but as everyone's mentioned today, there's unlimited potential in this neighborhood. And the next big transformative thing will be the opening of Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Centennial Park. We just passed our 50% completion on the construction. Uh, we've taken down about two-thirds of the seawall. We've created a beautiful new habitat for fish and wildlife. Uh, we're building an area where water from the river actually comes onto the site, so you have this sort of pond or pool experience uh, on the water. Um, and uh, I was actually just in Copenhagen and had a chance to meet uh, the bear and the beaver and the bass that are coming from Copenhagen yeah. to Detroit. <laughs> and uh, I can guarantee you, as soon as uh, the children of Detroit and, and the surrounding regions see those creatures, they are going to flock to the riverfront. Yeah. Um, so yeah. really excited about that. And the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation has been such a tremendous leader, encouraging us to go big, encouraging us to think regionally and also have specific things that the city of Detroit can be proud of. So we're excited about it. Yeah. Uh, anyone who's listening, I would encourage you to just go down there and walk past it. 
scale-wise. I don't think you've seen anything quite like it uh, in Detroit. It is really going to be spectacular. Okay, Mark Wallace, uh, President and CEO of the Riverfront Conservancy. Always great to see you. Thanks for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you so much. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. And podcast editing is by David Lyons. Our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET in Detroit. And you can support the show by leaving a rating or a comment. Thanks for listening.